0: Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan and today on The Detail...
1: While the types of houses we own might have changed, the desire for Kiwis to have security of a safe, warm, dry and affordable home remains unchanged.
0: Last month, the government announced some dramatic changes for the housing market aimed squarely at helping first home buyers. The first is
2: doubling the Brightline test from five to ten years. The second, removing the ability for landlords to claim a tax rebate on the interest paid on their mortgage. Investors generally lost uh, the other week. You're not a loser, but I wouldn't call you a winner either if you're a first home buyer. But for a third of the population, the announcement changed nothing
0: at least officially.
2: And if you're someone for whom a home ownership seems a remote prospect at best, what will this announcement do to rents?
0: Meanwhile, the tide continues to rise. The Wellington region's median weekly rent hits $615 per week in January.
2: Gisborne,
0: $535 a week. Marlborough on $480. Northland, hitting $500 for the first time. Now think of salaries in Northland. Think of the average household income.
2: $500 a week median rent.
0: So, is it time for more dramatic intervention?
1: The government's not ruled out attempting to control the country's soaring rents, perhaps in the form of rental caps. We've been arguing for caps on rent increases for some time in countries that
2: are experiencing crises similar to ours, such as Germany. They've actually very recently, like in the last few months or so, just imposed rent freezes for the next five years.
0: The government has introduced a bunch of changes designed to make homes warmer and more habitable for renters and to increase their rights. We actually did a podcast about this in August last year, if you want to look it up. Among those changes, rents can now only be increased once a year, but there's no rule on how much they can go up by. There's anecdotal evidence, though, that this swinging the balance towards tenants has caused some landlords to sell up and others to hike rents ahead of the changes which came into effect in February. Associate Housing Minister Poto Williams told us the rental market is being monitored closely, but at this stage, there are no further plans to make changes. So rent controls, from their point of view, are off the table for now. However, as we've just heard... There is a clamour of voices for something to be done and the issue is still worth taking a look at. So that's what we're doing today with economist Brad Olson. Who decides how much a property costs to rent?
2: Well, the market decides overall. Important to realise that the market sets where all of the properties go in terms of pricing, in terms of if they're rented, uh, if they're sitting there idle, if someone's going to buy them, if they're going to get demolished and something else built on them. Um, very hard to dictate exactly what's going to move the price of one very specific house in one very specific area, but the general trends are set by those market forces. Are there lots of houses on the market? Are there lots of people looking for them? What does that balance look like?
0: Last week, I think it was last week, maybe it was the week before, anyway, um, the government unveiled a suite of changes to housing policy which, I mean, ostensibly these were kind of aimed at making life easier for first home buyers and, well, kind of making life more difficult for speculators.
2: Well, that might be how uh, you know some quarters, including the government, might be putting it. I wouldn't put it quite so um, eloquently, perhaps. In my view, what you've seen is a screwing of the scrum away from investors and trying to put it towards first home buyers. Mm. I think that investors were the losers. Now, I think it's important to recognise that investors are different from speculators. Okay. There's a lot of people out there who are investing in property uh, and they're not actually looking to flick it all that quickly. The speculators seem to be what the government was trying to target. Um, they sort of took the sledgehammer approach and decided to hit all the investors. So if if you want a winners and losers list, investors generally lost uh, the other week. I wouldn't, wouldn't say first-home buyers won. Um, I've, ne- I've spoken to a lot of first-home buyers in the last two weeks since that announcement, and not one of them has said, wow, housing is so much easier for me to get into. I have heard a lot of investors say, crikey, this has changed the financials quite a bit. So it's it's made it harder on one leg but the other one hasn't necessarily become better. It just didn't get smacked. So I mean, you're not you're not a loser, but I wouldn't call you a winner either mm. if you're a first home buyer. Okay, so
0: if we're saying that investors lost out and first home buyers didn't lose out, but didn't necessarily win. Where do renters come in?
2: Yeah, renters were a little bit forgotten uh, in last week's announcement. But I think that the, the important reason why is because it's, again, no matter if it's first home buyers, if it's investors, uh, if it's renters, it's very difficult to get to the very underlying issue of housing, which remains housing supply. Now, I say that in the sense that what renters would be looking for if there was to be lower rents, if there was to be uh, you know, the opportunity to choose a, a not-so-awful flat is for there to be some choice. You'd want to be able to say, actually, no, um, I've visited this rental. It's not very good for me. It's too expensive. Um, it, it's, it's too mouldy and cold. I'm not going to take it. I'll find somewhere better. At the moment, we don't have enough rentals for that, so every man and his dog goes out there into the rental market, scrambles to find somewhere, takes whatever they can get, no matter how bad it is, because having some sort of shelter above your head is better than the stress of wait, waiting another maybe three weeks, maybe three months to find a rental. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So when it
0: comes to rents, the best panacea for that is more houses, which means more competition among landlords, which means more incentive to provide, I guess, what's favourable terms, I guess, for renters?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it gives renters choice, and I think that's the big thing at the moment. At present, you have. people who want to rent. Now I don't think we can say that that's excess demand because they want somewhere to live and renting is generally the bottom of the scale there apart from living with mum and dad. So mm. you say look there's not excess demand there and you say well why isn't demand meeting supply and you say well that's because supply hasn't kept up, we haven't got enough houses where there is a bit more of a balance there, um, people are not going to bid up the price as much. So let's just work through that very very briefly. Sure. Um, if you do have a housing shortage like we have at the moment, what happens, stylized example is that me and you go along to a rental viewing, you uh, say look I'll pay you 400 bucks a week and I'll go well I'll pay $450, you'll count with 500 because there's only one house at that point but both of us want it so we'll bid the price up. Okay. So that's how we get rental prices that keep moving higher and higher Now what actually happens is we don't bid on it, we're not allowed to do that under law but the landlord knows that they can put their rents up to be able to get those uh, renters because they have to pay something to get a house Now if for example you and I were still going for that house and I said actually, no, I don't want to pay more than 400 bucks. There's another one down the road that I can rent. I just walk down the road. I wouldn't have to try and put up the rent. The rent wouldn't change. So if we had enough houses to look after people, we wouldn't have to be nearly as mindful of the current crisis that we currently have in the New Zealand housing market where people are struggling to find rentals. Data from Tenancy Services shows the
0: median price of a rental has risen 60%. the past decade, from about $300 in 2010 to $480 in 2020. Meanwhile, median weekly earnings have risen from about $780 in 2010 to $1,016 in 2019. That's a rise of about 30%. And this means median rents have risen at twice the rate of median incomes over the past decade. So, how do you bring rental prices down, or at least stem this increase. Brad Olson's talking supply, 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 and you know, he's right. The more houses you have, the more options renters have, the more competition there is among landlords, the lower the prices. But, I mean, is anyone else getting just a little sick of hearing supply when we're talking about relieving the pressure on the housing market? You know, building houses takes ages, the country short of builders. It's going to be years until supply increases to the point where it'll make a meaningful difference. And in the meantime, the problems are getting pretty acute.
1: We are already seeing rent increases of 100 $150 a week, which are often legal, because this government has not taken any steps to limit how much the rent can actually be increased by. And renters should not just be relying on the goodwill of their landlords or... Uh, whatever way the market is blowing, to have an affordable roof over their head.
0: So what about a novel and pretty dramatic
1: idea? Does it need to be caps on rents? Yes. Uh, So we've been arguing for caps on rent increases for some time. We need the government to put rent control in place to ensure that that does not happen and that it does not get worse.
0: Rent controls or
2: rent caps. Can you please explain what on earth do those terms mean? Yes, there's a few different sort of options, if you will, when people think and discuss rent controls and rent caps. Some of it is that you might say, look, you can't increase your rent on a current existing rent uh, rental property by s- any more than so much each year. So um, some places, I think over in some parts of the US, they have sort of 5% plus whatever inflation is that year. Okay. Nothing else above that is legal. Um, but what, we, what you can see under that proposal is if it's just for current uh, models, then once you flip your rental, you change your rental, you get a new tenant in, um, you can increase the rent to the market rate but then can't increase it from then on by anything more than that cap. Or you can have it that you say actually housing for you know this particular house, ABC, One Road, um, you know Wellington, is only able to be rented up to a maximum of so many dollars a week and that's unchangeable or you can only increase it $10 um, a year or something like that. There have been proposals like that before. Essentially it says that instead of letting landlords move the rents uh, as the market shifts, that the government puts a, 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 sort of stamps its hammer and says no, this is my view um, you know, we'll, we'll tell you what the Rate is, you've got to live with it.
1: Well, the government needs to rule out altogether rent caps, and they need to actually mean it when they say it. We have already a rental shortage. The last thing we should be doing is having fewer people wanting to be landlords or fewer people um, having places that they can rent.
0: So it's a form of market intervention, and actually quite a, a pretty, a pretty dramatic one, really.
2: Oh, it's price control. It's saying, actually, no, as the government, we know better than everyone else there. We know what the price should be. Let's just remember we don't do that for almost any other uh, services. We might change the way that end consumers pay for things. So, for example, you and I often get a prescription for $5 because the government picks up the rest of the cost. Mm-hmm. But nowhere otherwise does the government walk into an office and say, actually, no, uh, I'm telling you how much you're selling your product for. Um, and if you don't like it, well, you get stuffed.
0: Mm. I guess one of the arguments from somebody who argues in favour of this sort of intervention is the idea that – like you mentioned that the government does this with almost no other service, and they might object to the characterisation of housing as a service –
2: completely yep I, I, I can I can understand the point I think we, we've got to remember though and, and this is the big challenge is that it's not necessarily that uh, we should or shouldn't control prices mm. um, for for certain goods just and in, in, in the in the round it's more because that's treating the symptom not the cause it's essentially saying to the doctor actually mop up the blood on the floor rather than trying to stop the splurting blood from the you know the body next door on the operating table that mm. it, that's it, sort of missing the point um, because what we've got at the end of the day is, again, let's go back to the very simple problem. We've got more people looking for a rental than there are rentals available. You don't change that by saying, actually, you can only um, sell a rental for so many. You still haven't uh, met that issue of there's still more people looking for a rental than there are things available. That, that's the fundamental issue. And so a lot of this takes a lot of energy and actually restricts um, some of the ability to change the problem to fix the problem um, by sort of not seeing the wood for the trees. Mm.
0: Have we ever had rent caps or rental controls in New Zealand throughout our history?
2: I don't believe so, but we have seen rental controls imposed in other parts of the world. Uh, Germany and the US are sort of the two that have had a little bit of study done on them. It's been a year since the rent freeze came into force in Berlin. It was quite unusual. What was so unusual about it?
1: Yeah, it's um, it was basically a bid to stop huge price rises that um they've seen with rents. There've been protests about it, and so in last February, the state government there introduced a five-year rent freeze. And that covered 1.5 million flats. Now, that was stage one. But the second stage, which came in um, last November after a court battle with landlords, actually had that landlords must lower rents on flats if they were deemed to be more than 20% above a standard limit. So what's unique about this is that even if tenants had signed a rental contract agreeing to the rent, they could now force their landlords – yeah, you heard correctly – Force their landlords to lower it and claim the money back. Prices have definitely come down. I think one online property portal found that the average Berlin uh, rent fell by nearly 8% in the last year. But supply also plunged because many people are staying put. Landlords, of course, you wouldn't be surprised about this, Nathan. They're not very happy. They say that it's basically putting off much-needed investment and that because this this only affects pre-2014 buildings, there's no incentive to renovate older buildings because landlords won't be able to claim it back through rent increases.
2: Recent uh, changes in Germany have seen the number of rentals available or rental ads available on the market plummet by half Uh, and other research from uh, Stanford economists looking at San Francisco uh, in the 90s saw that when rent controls were imposed, the supply of rentals in the market decreased 15%, rent still went up 5% Uh, and what those rent controls often do is they help out people who are currently in a rental. So if you're currently there, you basically stay there for life because you've got, um, you don't have to pay the same rate as everyone else. If you're looking to get a rental, if you're looking to move into the market, you find that rents are much higher. That there's not as many places going around, and often that you you're screwed over a lot more. So good for the haves, worse for the have-nots, and it actually creates much more of a divide over time. Does it? Okay, because I was I was thinking about that. That like, if it's a situation
0: where people are staying in their Houses for a long time, and they have reasonably strong rights as a renter, and the cost of housing for them on their, uh, you know, relative their income is going to be relatively predictable. You know, that's it. I mean, that's a. Those are all desirable sorts of things, aren't they?
2: Y- yes, and no. I think it's where that balances now. I don't deny that renters need to have uh, important rights, and and I think we're getting better. I don't know if we're fully there yet. But I think as well to say that um, you know the government comes and dictates conditions there is a worrying place when it, we've got evidence that it actually makes the problem worse. Now we said before the issue is that we've got more people than we've got rents to, uh, rentals to be supplied. Now if we want that to get better we need to build more things so that the number of people looking for places equals the number of available places to rent. Under a rent control scenario, you'd have the reverse happen. You'd have more people looking for rents. You'd actually have even fewer rentals available on the market because basically it says to someone who's looking to put the, the you know let, let's say someone's got a bunch of cash, like maybe sh- I should become a, an investor in property. Maybe I should go and build some housing. And they go, well, actually I can't change my situation based on you know how the market's moving to recoup my costs or change anything else. So instead. Uh, what I'll do is I'll park my money somewhere else. So there's no houses built. It reduces that supply. So over time, evidence points to that reduction uh, in housing supply, which actually makes the problem worse rather than makes it better. And I think, importantly, it helps those who are currently in that rental. But the risk as well happens, and we've seen this uh, from evidence, again, from San Francisco, was that when people are in rent-controlled rentals, they stay around, Probably longer than they normally would, mm. which also means that as their family changes uh, as their family composition shifts, you know they might need fewer or more bedrooms, but because they know they're onto to a good deal they don't move as much uh, those people who who were moving around or not in San Francisco, there was a nineteen percent uh, less likelihood of someone in rent control moving compared to the control group. So they didn't shift around as much. They probably kept more housing than, in effect, they needed. And again, all of that says that at the end of the day, those who are in a house might be in a better position, but anyone looking for a house after that finds it much, much more difficult. That doesn't sound to me like a very good strategy. That sounds like it's sort of locking in current gains and screwing over the next lot.
0: Wouldn't that also incentivize new builds because it, it, my understanding of the situation in Germany is that um, these rent controls exist for pre-existing homes but don't apply to new builds. and so if you're a property uh, developer and you do want to be seeing more of a return or a return beyond you know the rent controls in the district that you have land in or whatever, building a new house enables you to sort of bypass those those caps right?
2: Yep, that's certainly part of it. We we often, um, almost always, see exemptions for, for new builds, which, like you say, does incentivise it. A few p- parts to unpack there. One is that in New Zealand, uh, at the moment, we still find it very difficult to expand supply quickly. So what you might have in effect, if you put in, say, rent controls in New Zealand, uh, is that you'd have sort of people who are finding it difficult to get into rentals and not necessarily that same change in terms of people putting their money into new builds because even if they could, no one can find a builder at the moment. So you'd still have the the issue that you're sort of restricting supply without the ability, so supply overall, without the ability to actually make some of those new build units. What we've also seen though, as well is that because of those changes, because landlords know or, or investors know they can't make... As much money as they otherwise would on rentals, the the buildings that they often create are not necessarily uh, for renters, and so they're much more for first home buyers. Now that's good on one hand; it says, look, let's increase first home buyer supply. But what we often see from the studies is that the increase in first homes coming through are for those who are much more affluent. They've got more cash, and so that means that it's good for the haves, and again for those on the lower end of the rental market, locks them out further because it's not just new supply. Its new supply for a certain group, mm. and so that shift over time is actually quite concerning. Uh, when it again might quite well lock out some of those groups uh, who are needing rentals just as much.
0: Do you get the feeling that maybe a lot of the momentum behind the idea of rent control or, or or things like this is the fact that, or the idea anyway, that you know at least it's something that could happen now, rather than like what you're talking about. It increasing yeah, increasing supply that takes time and I feel like people are kind of getting sick of hearing that maybe
2: you know? Yeah, absolutely. People are definitely looking for how do we make something uh, go quickly? What what is a quick fix for this? And I guess that's the concern is if this is our quick fix, then it makes the issue so much worse over the long term. It's sort of, you know, putting a a sticking plaster, an old rotting sticking plaster over a wound. It seals the wound in the short term, makes it infected and, and, you know, you have to lose the leg in the long term. And that's the concern is that we are looking for these quick fire options. We're looking for silver bullets. And look, if we're going to let an issue build up over 30, 40 years, uh, it's not going to be a quick one to solve. And and I know that's not what anyone wants to hear, but that is the reality of it, that we can't build a huge amount more quickly at the moment. And so to unwind 30 or 40 years of underinvestment and lack of activity uh, will take a little bit longer than we hope. But in my mind, it's better to wait for that than to sort of see things get um, better for a very small group of people in the short term, but stuff up our long term progress. Brad, I want a silver bullet. Just once. I want a quick fix. Let me have a quick fix, please. The silver bullet here is to load every bullet you can into the gun and fire and, and that is I think where we're starting to get to. I mean, let's reflect that we have had a housing announcement from the government that's taken a long time uh, it's important to recognise that talk is cheap but hey, we've had an announcement after really only commentators making much of a show over the last year or two or even the last five or ten years so look, this is a move in the right direction in my view, the thing that fixes this the thing that gets housing under control and actually provided, provides us with a choice going forward is to add to the housing stock. Now we're building at a high rate at the moment, it will take us a while to to eat into that, but that is a much better proposition than trying to find sort of a quick fire uh, change to make things all of a sudden better. Put it this way, I've never seen anyone that does the get rich quick scheme that manages to, to do it, or that goes on a quick fire diet that keeps the weight off. It doesn't work, we need to be patient only because that's how we eventually solve these issues we are going to see things get worse before they get better but I'd rather worse and then better rather than worse and worse and worse
0: That's all for today, thanks to Brad Olsen Jeremy Ansell engineered this episode and Alexia Russell produced it The Detail is a newsroom production for RNZ made possible by NZ On Air We're on all the usual podcast platforms hit subscribe and get a new episode downloaded every weekday if you're an Apple user, please give us a rating. It helps others to find us too. And you can also listen on the RNZ, Newsroom or Stuff websites. I'm Emil Donovan. Matewa.